Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Well, folks, I'm just sitting here uh, at the work table, running tuna calls, and, and uh, this next podcast, it uh, it's actually been running through my mind here for a while, but I uh, had an incident yesterday, uh, messaging back with a, a friend, um, fellow bow hunter, someone that... Uh, He's in that younger gen. I call the younger. You guys, the young guys might think he's the older guy. And I, I look at him and still as one of the, the younger pups out there. He does very well. But just through the conversation, uh, talking with him. And, and, you know, I've been in this, ooh, 50 years, at least. And, you know, if you want to start talking with small game hunting, I've been in this a very long time. Um I used to kid people that I've been guiding waterfowl, I've been in the waterfall so long that I guided Jesus on his first goose kill. But um, seriously, I've been in it a long time, and so I've seen a, a, the evolution of, of where we've gone, where we started, and where we're at today. I've seen a lot of changes, a lot of good changes. I'm not saying nothing is bad, um, but there is something I think in the midst of everything that is missing, and. Um, I'm going to kind of cover that and I'm going to break that down and, and uh, you know, what, if, if any of you guys who work in the trades know about the years that it takes of working hard and, and all the, uh, you have, usually have to have the, some of the book knowledge and then you have to have uh, actual hours on the job, whether you're a pilot, whether you're an electrician, carpenter, whatever, you know, the term called journeyman. And uh, it took, it, you know, it took years to reach to that journeyman level. But when you reach that journeyman level, you, you earned and deserved the higher pay. And being with that, it's like everything in life, you know, the, you work for what you get. And um, we used to always call the people who started out, we called them the interns and an internship. And, you know, we've people that uh, in several jobs, you might have some, you know, when we work manufacturing a lot, we might have had somebody in college, you might have had somebody who come in who was working on an internship um, you know, spending time so they, during their college or whatever they had to, to gain part of their hours, part of their tutelage of, of learning was, you know, going into the manufacturing world and seeing how the journeymen were doing it and trying to, to gain some knowledge of our future engineers, whatever it is, you know. And so we called that they were laying the, the bounty of the foundation of becoming an intern. And uh, I, I've heard Barry Wenzel say this before, those you you don't know Barry Wenzel, but Barry Wenzel is probably one of the, the greatest whitetail bow hunters. I think he, he's one of the a great woodsmen. But this, in, in by utilizing all that, you know, his, I think his skill, I think he was probably a, a better woodsman before he became an ultimate whitetail hunter, even though he was hunting whitetails. I think a lot of his success, once he started gaining the knowledge of, uh, you know, becoming a better woodsman and, and everything like that, I think that all they'd, and he would always talk about that today's hunters, they need to learn the foundation and, and build a foundation and then go from there. And that's how you work and, and work your step up to the, the journeyman level. And so it just happened to be through the conversation. And I'm going to get into this, not just picking on one, uh, you know, whether it's whitetails. I'm going to get into it on the waterfall part, too. Um, pretty much everything else I'm not going to, you know, get to because I really don't think the small game hunting has been influenced as much as I would say what my experience is as waterfowl and whitetails. 
you know, bass fishing was always known that, uh, you know, if you, if it was a gimmick into the whitetail industry and you looked at something, you know, everybody said, well, it's just like the bass fishing, you know, they got gimmicks for everything and probably you can include bass. And I just not a bass fisherman enough knowledge of bass fishing to tell you, I, I started out with a rubber worm and three hooks in, in a open face, six pound, uh, open face Mitchell 308, uh, rod and reel and uh, catching my bass did pretty well, but I didn't have the science of uh, today's of everything they got with fish finders and, you know, $60,000 boats and everything like that. I guess that's just the way our life is circled, but and the waterfall and whitetail, you know, we, anyway, this gentleman, we're talking about, um, he hunts and he hunts in different areas and, um, and I've seen and the hunting public guys talk about it, but to you know, people hunting out of these slings, hunting out of tree slings and it can keep them to be so mobile and they can hunt different spots and they can maneuver and go and stuff like that. And, and, um, you know, I, I kind of laugh because it's, you know, life is always in circles and it goes, but I, you know, 30 years ago we had tree slings and this is nothing new. There wasn't something developed. It's kind of like, you know, I compare that to the silhouettes in, in the decoy industry and the waterfowl. But, you know, they weren't just invented here the last five, 10 years. They've been around for, for a long time. And um, whether it was homemade or, or commercial made, they've been there. So anyway, he was, he was talking about this was the deal. This was the secret of getting him around and, you know, and, and not uh, hunting the same stand twice that he, he moves and hunts different trees. And I get that. I, you know, I understand that. But so I started looking up his system. And so, and I'm not going to get into a company and, and pick any one company because there was some higher and there was some lower, but, you know, basically taking the median here on pricing, but, uh, wow, I started looking this up and, you know, to have that, that, that luxury and versatility, I guess I want to say of hunting different stands, it started adding up, you know, first you had a foot stand and you're, they were on 200 bucks. Um, the pack, this, you know, average different prices for the sling in this pack. And I, and I understand I'm a little probably ignorant to everything that it goes with it because I know everything has accessories. So I'm not going to get on to the little accessory additives because, you know, the holders and all that stuff. Shoot, I use dollar screw in, or the dollar bowl holders that screw in, still use them today. But, um, you know, the, the, the pack itself could be $425 or even more. Um, then you, you're talking the tree steps, the, the climbing sticks, not steps, but climbing sticks. Uh, I was seeing them anywhere running for $200 for three. So I'm looking at this thinking, wow, you know, I would, you know, probably have to have nine to get up where I like to comfortably hunt. Not, you know, everything's up there, but so I could have $600 and friggin' um, nine climbing sticks. Think about that $600 and nine climbing sticks. And, um, so you add that on into the platform. You know, I'm running $1,200 in a setup that I carry in the woods. And that's so I can be, you know, quote unquote mobile. Um, what I did back in the day, uh, now there used to be lock on tree stand. We used to lock on tree stands. And for you young bucks out there, you'll, you'll have to Google it. But the lock on company was a very good port. And that's what they were. We called them portable. They weren't permanent tree stands. They were the definition of a portable tree stand. And um, 
They used to be able to carry them on our back. We had also, uh, I was talking with Dan Young today, I forgot all about it. That's what I started on, the Baker climbing tree stand. He used to call it the Baker self-climbing tree stand. And like Gene Wenzel says in a, in a seminar once, he said, I don't know why they call it a self-climbing tree stand. He said, I put that thing around the tree and stood there for an hour. That thing never climbed up the tree by itself. But, uh, you know, we had the Baker tree stand. You could carry that on a shoulder strap. And then I'd have a fanny pack, or a little fanny pack went in and carry 10 screwing t- uh, tree steps and a couple little bow holders and then my bow rope. And then I could walk that and, and carry that. And, and I probably had at that time maybe $200 at the most, at the most, uh, into my setup. And, you know, could hunt any tree I wanted. I could, you know, with a self-climbing stand, you, you kind of got to be... Um, you know, you got to have a straight tree, uh, pretty much one, a, a telephone pipe type tree to, to get up in. But I also, there was another company called Chippewa, and I have to look it up whether they still make it, but I didn't have the Chippewa. There was another uh, competitive company. They were a light aircraft aluminum stands. I, I use it today still, and I made homemade shoulder straps for it. Very light, very um, uh, strong, very strong aluminum. And it didn't have any belt or uh, clip or any type of seat belt, you know, any type of hookup, a chain hookup that uh, that was on the tree stand. It just underneath the seat, as you will, you had two hooks, uh, aluminum hooks that went out. So what you did is you had uh, this chain. Uh, we used to buy a, a big old gallon of the rubberized paint and, and dump, dump the chain in there, hang it up on a nail and let them dry on the newspaper, and then you could rubber coat your chain. But they also had two balls, two big rubber balls, that hung with a big steel cable in between that, if you follow me. So all I could do, and you had a, a, a S hook, I used hooks that, uh, that I could put together and screw tight and screw it shut so I didn't have any case of the hook coming off. But anyway, these chain setups, I think they might have been $25 a piece at the time. And uh, so I could buy 10 chain setups for 250 bucks. And what you did is you, you know, you climb up the tree, use my little steps, go up the tree, and you could put easily one hand so quick, throw that chain where you want it, hook it around that tree, pull the rope up, pull your little light aluminum stand. Or I had, like I said, I had the homemade uh, shoulder straps on my stand. So I just put it on my back, climb right up there. And then just take the stand off my back. And what you did is those two big hooks I told you, it's under the seat that's made. That hooks in between the tree and the cable with the two rubber balls that give you your movement. Uh, they quiet and it gives you movement, you know, so it squeezes tight, gives you some versatility to tighten that stand. And the more weight you put on, the tighter it gets. And once I throw that stand on, I climb up, get right in the tree. You hunt. Um, if I'm done, I get down. I can take the stand right off the, the chain, leave the chain up, take the stand right off the chain, put the chain, I mean, hook, hook it back on my back. Now I can leave the steps in the tree or I take the steps back out as I go. Um, not really advertising anybody where, where my spots are, especially if you're hunting public land. But um, this was an amazing setup. Now I will, I will give you this. Um, it made us a little stronger back in the day because, uh, you know, it, it took a good man to sit there and, and, and push those steps in and screw them and climb as you go and screw them and, and screw as you go. But, you know, like anything else, you learn to adapt. And uh, one thing I did, I always did have a pretty good lineman's belt 
that I used uh, when I was a little bit older. I got, but I had a lineman's belt that I just tethered and go and, and just kind of keep my height as secureness under the tree, leaving my hands more free. But I used to have a little shoulder pack, had my backpack or the little shoulder pack where I put my steps in. But when the first cordless drills came out, and now you see I'm talking some time, we were so happy. We were happy with pigs rolling and crap. Uh, when the when the first uh, cordless drill come out, what I did is I take a, a a drill bit fairly close to the size of the screwing step. Now, as you will, as I'm going up, you know, I'm I'm running this drill halfway through, and it is so much quicker than trying to start the step. But you just run that drill halfway through, grab your step, start going, and just turn that baby and grind him right into the tree as you go. It, it quickened the time up a lot faster. And it was so easy. Uh, nothing added cost to what I do because I used, we used the cordless drill at home. But that was the setup. I'd go in and, and uh, you know, run, and once you ran that setup, and if I had 10 different chains, I had 10 different setups. I'd use one stand, and I've killed a lot. And I'm still using that stand today in Iowa. I'm still using those chains in Iowa, especially if I'm hunting on state land or hunting even close to state land. Um, I'm using that stuff just for the fact that I still think it's easy um, than hauling a big heavy stand up there and then, you know, using all the climbing sticks. Now, I will say this. I use the climbing sticks and I use a big climbing pole. Um, I don't use the screwing steps as much and I would. It's just that, you know, when you're reaching your older age and carpal tunnel in the hands and everything, I'm not quite um, as strong as I was, but, uh, you know, I could still use the cordless drill and go up with the steps. I think if somebody had made some good quality, uh, tree steps, you know, the one piece we always done, you know, we used the on the one piece at the beginning. I don't know if you guys can ever seen it, but they're the one piece and they're rubber coated dipped and, uh, right at the, the arch or the angle with, between the step and the tree, they break. And I've, I've, <laughs> I was up in several occasions where I had them break where I was 15, 18 foot off the ground, bear hugging a tree, sliding down a tree, uh, not the safest, but we had the folding tree steps always seemed to be, um, you know, the longest you could get, um, or the strongest you could get. The problem with those that we had to watch out for is that if we, depending on the tree, if we had an old hickory or something that had some thick bark to it, an older tree that was, you know, some major thick bark, you were only, the screw was so short that you were only going through part of the, the bark and not actually getting into the wood of tree. There again, you're in the danger of this, of popping out. But, you know, we always, um, this ones I was trying to think, they're deer me steps that we used, the fold me deer me steps, had a good long, um, screwing onto it and also there was a company came up later and this this kind of went to say they use uh lag bolts and uh you can you kind of drill your hole but went up there and you had these lag bolts that uh you could use a socket wrench and just screw them right into the tree and then the steps would insert over that and slide in and hook down so as your weight went down you know the, it, it pressed against the the tree and held and as you left you could take the stakes right off um I mean, several ways we used to do this. And like, again, this was all back in the internship. And when you first started, you know, and a young man with family, you know, we, I just couldn't afford, you know, dumping uh, $1,200 in a tree unit. Just, and that's just in my tree stand, you know, to try to hunt. And it was funny too, like I said, the products have been around a while, but this product I was laughing about, this product, the, the, the harness, the tree harness, 
we had a friend back and we were shooting recurves at the time so i tell you how long this has been but my buddy there he he found the new product this was the the this was tits mcgee buddy this was the new thing it was this tree this the tree saddle that he can go up any tree and he can be mobile and i'd sit there and i'd laugh i looked at him first of all man now you're you're a big fat guy i i mean how are you going to move around that tree because big bucks come in they they're, they're they're man they're moving they're slipping here they're slippery and how, how do you oh you know i can and how are you going to move maneuver that 66 inch recurve you know and he you know he was going to show us that he was smarter than that he thought all this out i'll never forget we he got up there and we had to help him get up there but i will never we laughed till we were crying trying to watch this guy maneuver with that bow in his hand you know first shot he hit the limb in the tree it was just you know then you one of the buddies would act like he was deer moving around the tree and this guy was tangled up in the sling and oh my gosh i just laughed at that and looked and said wow not for me well today the younger guys and i think it depends on the size you're a short little wiry guy absolutely be a good thing um I think that the you know I'm trying to think of the modern bow hunter from Michigan. I know him that uh, he's killed a lot of whitetails. He he is endorsing one. Well, he's a short little guy. He's a small man, and um, if you're a small guy, I could see him maneuvering around that. But you know, it, I like again, it's not for everyone, not for me, but uh, especially with a recurve in the hand. But you know, you start looking at that, and then you're looking at the bows today. You know, bow you can run anywhere from twelve, fifteen hundred dollars for a bow. Then you got three, four hundred for a sight. You got one hundred fifty dollars for just the rest, and that's not including two hundred dollars a dozen for arrows. One hundred dollars for six broadheads. I mean, you're running up in the price range for your stand and bow to get set up to, just to go out in the woods and get going at thirty-five hundred dollars. I mean, so I'm looking at you know I'm a young man and and it's still it's not any easier today as it was when I was a kid you know young man starting with a family it's still tough today and probably worse today because things are more you know more expensive I don't think that the labor sure labor has gone up and and the labor or not gone up but or, or pay for labor has gone up wages is what I guess but it hasn't gone up to me to the speed of uh, uh, how fast the price of everything's gone up inflation and the cost of living so i think it's actually harder today with cost of rent and, and everything else utilities uh, today for a guy starting up but what i'm trying to say is that you know all you young guys out there you know, you're trying this that there there is a way to get into things that you don't have to spend the 3500 dollars that you know don't and it works good in the sale of, of, of people who make this stuff. But I'm trying, you know, to me as a guy who wants to see the sport that we love so much to continue on and, and, the, and the heritage passed down that, you know, I hope that I'm passing down knowledge to the guys who, you know, accept that you're in the internship. You know, don't be like all these guys. That, and I'm not mentioning names. They're not busting balls. It's just everybody's an expert on social media. Uh, someone kills one big deer and he's a social media, you know, he's, he's, he's a friggin' expert. Somebody has, you know, takes 12 guys out and they're, they all blast and shoot at ducks and geese. And now you know who's killing what it's just, you know, keep whacking. Let's get the big pictures. People like that. You know, um, we're going to swear on our videos and talk about how cool it is to shoot big pile. I mean, those are interns. Those are, you know, to me, those are not professional. That is, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I call it wannabe or, well, and I'm like, again, I'm not trying to bust balls. I'm just saying, 
you know, there's an internship and then you start out and whether you're an intern or a journeyman, we never lose the, what we call the respect for what we do. But anyway, you know, like I'm talking about, if you're getting into this, you know, there's definitely cheaper bow. Every one of these great bow companies now are making unbelievable efficiency of these bows that aren't, aren't their twelve, fifteen hundred dollar flagship bows. But every company has a line in there, and that's why I'm always saying it. Get in, you know, get into the, get always get the best of what you can afford. And I always say that whether it's binoculars or you know, try to try our guns and shotguns and stuff like that. But you know, there's nothing wrong. I started hunting waterfowl with a Remington 870. And uh, that was before, no, it did have a ventilated rib. My brother's hat didn't have, it was early enough, didn't have the ventilated rib. But uh, I hunted for years. And when the first synthetic 870 came out, I was hunting with that. And I was never handicapped. I shot just as many and it's probably shot better because I was shooting one gun that I could shoot and was used to. But you know, the 870 was a dependable gun. You could beat them, they last forever. I'd like to take a brief pause to give a shout out to our sponsors. Apex Ammo, Domain Outdoor, G5 Broadheads, Killing Sticks, Lacrosse Footwear, Prime Archery, Rite, Sitka Gear, Stan Releases, Yeti, and my good and talented friend, Brent Nadu, who wrote the music for our podcast. Decoys, you know, I will say this. I think that the, you know, between Big Al's and Dive Bomb and guys like that, they've making some quality silhouettes out there now at a real affordable price. It, that's a great thing, you know, if, if all you can afford is two, three dozen to get set up. And, and but you have that many, uh, you know, what is you paying? $60, $70 a dozen, you get four dozen. So you get uh, $400. And, you know, in four dozen decoys and a full body, you know, you're going to have 1600. So I'm trying to say is, you know, starting out with that right there, full bodies. I do like the full bodies, but I'll tell you, even in the day when I could, I was sponsored and, and could use as many as I wanted, I still would go to the field with a dozen and a half and increase my, my spread as I went. Total different mindset of watching everybody. In fact, I would be more impressed today watching somebody filming with uh, a dozen and a half full bodies and, and, you know, getting three good volleys at their feet and not shooting 40, 50 yards in the air, passing by. But, uh, you know, trying to think on that mindset, you know, we at Legendary Gear, we make some top end calls. We make calls that, uh, you know, they're $150 and we have some at $100, $120, $130. But we also came up with a line of calls that's all American made. And that was my purpose is trying to make the best uh, call that I can for the price of money, you know, to put in the guy's hand to have to have just the quality and then get the sound as, as a call three times its price. Just to get that in the hand to get, whether it's a young kid or whether it's a young guy who's just getting started with a family, you know, so our um, molded line, which is a molded acrylic, we, I tune every one of those. We're using the broken guts and that. You know, so what I'm saying is you could go to a, a company like us if you're into waterfowl. Our duck call, which is double read, you get, we got two miles of goose calls. We got a spec call that's coming out. But, you know, you're looking at this hand tune. So you could get in. So you look at the call portion, you've got into it. Blinds, um, we started in goose chairs. We had homemade goose chairs. We did stuff. I found with the, with the work it went in the goose chairs and the price, I think goose chair is a great still, if you're a goose or duck hunter, a field hunter, I like the goose chairs um, and look at the companies who are making the goose chairs, you know, if you will today and, and, and man, a goose chair is still 
um, very effective. In fact, I think a goose chair, if I had one blind to take every day to the field, a goose chair is still one of the most effective blinds. Even when back in the day when Zink and myself and Sabota and guys were, were hunting using the FA blinds and, and FA first came out, and I'll never forget when I first saw them, you're kidding me, I can go out and kill, you know, birds and laying in that big freaking hut. And we did in fields that, you know, pick corn and stuff. But even back in the day when we had, uh, you'd be hunting cut winter wheat, as soon as they picked those bean fields, those birds would get into those pick bean fields. They loved that. Or pick cucumber fields. We had that in Michigan. And I filmed of Michigan Outdoors killing geese in a pick cucumber field. But um, we'd put those big A-frames, you know, those layout blinds, out there, not the A-frames, but the layout blinds out in, in the pick bean field, and geese that weren't educated would flare off it, though, because it still was too unnatural uh, sticking out there, and we would go put them back in the truck and go grab our goose chairs and go back out and finish them. I mean, it's, you know, and today, I think when it started and you look at everything out there, if you mention somebody a hunt of a goose chair, they kind of think, wow, oh, you're not that good of a goose hunter yet. No, man, kill a lot of geese still at a low price so I'm, what i'm trying to say is you know it's look at the price there's there is stuff out there to get started and work in that internship you know and as you grow and you learn more those blinds the expensive blinds and the expensive bows they're all great but at a time that my price budget can afford it i'm saying don't let your budget stop you from being able to go out and hunt you know don't watch it social media and say, wow, you know, I, I can't get into waterfowl by myself. I can't get into bow hunting because, man, look at the price of everything that these guys are using on, on TV and everything that they're using. That's too much money. No, dude, you can get out there. You can get out and be just as effective and killing animals and, and taking as they are at a lot lower budget. It's just, uh, you know, the products today are – we become a, a – a, society that is um we like it now we like it easier and i and i get that but it doesn't always i mean like i said we had some big a-frame blinds that we made that were homemade thatched with old fast grass that left it where they were incredible taken apart <clears throat> like i'm saying use your mindset there's all kinds of things you can do and uh i'm mean, gonna any good an arrow flying straight out of any boat with a recurve compound you know, that's what's going to, you know, hits the mark. Um, you know, I've always heard that a, a, an arrow, a, a perfect flying arrow of a 55-pound bow will always out-penetrate a bad fly, flying arrow of a 70-pound bow. And I still believe that today. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that old saying to keep it simple, stupid, it is very true. But, you know, like I said, going out there and Starting out with it with a simple setup, make sure that your your bow is setting right, your your arrow, your bow shooting where you're looking, the arrows are flying. There's so many good broadheads out there that I don't have to pay, you know, fifty dollars or sixty dollars for three of them. You know, back in the day we were shooting these old compounds that you know the Rambo, which was a Hoyt made, was supposed to be the shorter bow that was 48 inches long. And I was shooting 22 19 arrows. There was 23 17 arrows that, that we also shot. And I also shot snuffer or Zwicky broadheads, broadheads that were anywhere from 205 grains, and the Zwickys were 175 grains on the arrow. That was just normal. That's what we hunted with. And each one was hand sharpened. There was something, even when I shot a compound or recurve, there was something that I always thought that took a little pride 
and learning how to sharpen, you know, whatever you sit there watching TV or whatever you're doing is just taking that time and running those broadheads on files and then hitting them on stones. And then, you know, every year during the fall, my hair and my arms is always gone because, you know, you're testing the broadhead. But there was a pride thing. There was an internship. You know, today you can buy the, the air and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, the broadheads. But don't forget that the, you know, razor blades dull. Um, they break. Mechanical things can break. There's always, you know, something. If there's moving things, it's caught, it's just more moving things that can go wrong. Not, I'm not saying it does, but it's just always, you know, it's, if, if something can go wrong, it will sooner or later. And uh, it's always trying to keep the odds. But uh, anyway... I just had to get this off my chest. I just wanted to, you know, the times are different and how things have changed and from yesteryear to today. And I'm not cutting today. Like I said, the older I get, the more I enjoy the climbing sticks and, and stuff. But I could still use, I'm still using the, my stand with the chains that move from, from uh, location to location. Um, I'm still using, uh, and I do like, I still cut in broadhead. I'm still using the same broadheads on my recurve as I did years ago. I've changed it up with the, uh, different broadheads. But, you know, I, I, the point I was trying to say, we put that, we always had a heavy arrow shooting out of our bow. And out of our compounds, or excuse me, out of the recurves, it used to be, we figured 10 grains per pound, I think it is. So if you had shooting a 65-pound bow, it was a 650-grain arrow that we'd load it up with and never had a problem blowing through a deer you know shooting 60 65 pound bow shooting at 180 185 feet a second but they were good flying arrows so anyway enjoy it i hope you enjoy it uh like us this podcast and and uh, always i said you know i leave it open you guys want to talk about uh things we did in the past things that i can help you out I, we got there's a lot of things today even waterfowl and and deer hunting that uh, we used to do in the day that you know i'd love to spread some of those ideas for the guys who can't afford or who's still learning like i said always remember you got to get into the internship pay your dues and then work up as you go into the journeyman you don't want to get invested in something and overshoot shoot your the load and then um find out that you can't hunt or hunting's not for you you don't have time for it you know you always want to build yourself up first and and maybe you won't get the success. A lot of guys, that's another thing. When we take young kids hunting, whether it's waterfowl or deer hunting, you know, what's one thing cool about waterfowl? But you want to take them and you want to get them some success starting out. And let that burn into their gut. And then as they grow, let them learn how to work and to achieve that success as they go. They, they seem the ones who, who work to achieve it, who last longer in it, who appreciate what they're really doing and what it's really about. But... Uh, you know, getting that success for then someone who dumps a ton of money, and then uh, doesn't either can't get the line, you know, the land and or whatever, you know, it just it burns out quick. We don't want the burnout. But anyway, I appreciate your time, guys. Appreciate you me kind of rattling off about yesteryear and today, and just some things that that you want to think about. Always reach out to me at geodlynch at gmail dot com. Um, any kind of emails you want, things to talk about, products you want to talk about, man, bounce them off my head. I'm sure I've used about everything out there or tried to design everything out there to, to, to make it better. But I appreciate it. And like I said, if you like it, subscribe to it. Tell your buddies about it. Go to legendarygearusa.com is our, our website. You'll see our turkey calls, duck and goose calls. Check out our new molded line. I'm telling you, I'm very happy with it. 
Um, really, we're, we're killing it this year on the molded line because people are just seeing that the quality we're getting. We've done well with our, with our high-end calls, but that market of people that we don't want to lose, and especially the younger generation, getting them a high-quality call. And one thing I always said, we don't make cheap calls. We make great calls more affordable. But, hey, guys, always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart. And may the good Lord be your guide. Take care. Well, I'll be out there rain and shining All a part of the great design Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made